This is Getting Past the Subtitles. My name is Sean Peel. This is DK Lee. And welcome to week number six of our Kudosawa Deep Dive. Congrats to anyone who's made it this far. We have indeed covered a lot of ground these six weeks. <laughs> Kudosawa Overload. Um, last week we watched Ren. Uh, it was Kurosawa's final samurai epic film. It was very grand. It was pretty cool. Um, but that film was released in 1985. And now we are jumping eight years into the future. And it is 1993. Kurosawa has made his final film at the age of 83 years old, dude. 83 years old. That's crazy. Madadayo. Um, Madadayo. <laughs> That movie, I feel like, should be called Madakai, but we're going to stick with Madadaiwa. Yeah. um, For me, it is a first watch. um, And I know that for the planning of the series, we, like, pretty much immediately, we're like, we'll watch the first film that he'd ever done and then the last film last feature that he'd ever done um but what about you have you ever seen this film before or was this just something that you're expecting to watch as we plan the series yeah this is my first time watching this film as well nice what was your experience with it after the fact i think it's a very fitting last film mm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i thought the same thing um yeah i mean for me like my impression was I mean, really, to put it simply, in in retrospective of the entire series, it's like a fresh, a breath of fresh air. Um, it's funny because it's like it's kind of hard to believe that it was the same director that been, we've been watching for the past five weeks. You know, because this movie mm-hmm. is just so different from everything that we've seen. Um, you know, they've all been samurai epic films and kind of like actiony, very like, you know it inspired these western films and i mean outside of ikiru you know that was the only other like human kind of story that we've had and so it's funny that like you know i'm, I'm sure that there's other films that he's made that probably have a little more drama elements to it that we haven't covered it's just funny that like even watching ikiru it's just totally completely different as a totally sort of different message um different like commentaries outside of this movie so it was like just pretty funny to see this and think that wow this is still kurosawa but also i was like yeah this is super befitting as like a farewell film it feels almost like meta to him like leaving as well in a way yeah but certainly i really really enjoyed it for sure so maradeo is actually based on a real life person uh the a guy named Hayaken Uchida, who was a German professor and then later retired to also become a writer. And this was in like 1940s, right? Like right after post-war World War II. And so the movie is really set about him and it is primarily set after his retirement. Um, So it starts off with him going into his class and announcing his retirement and, you know, that he can pursue writing as a full-time career and that he's... uh, that's what he wants to do as his passion um and so the story really follows just 
a variety of events between the professor's life and like the involvement of his former students um, who are really kind of like these lifelong friends in a way. Um, it's pretty interesting to see this dynamic happen. So basically what happens is um, post-retirement, post uh, the alumni help him move into a new home. And there's sort of this conversation that they kind of fear for his safety because of like burglars, which his wife expressed. And so like later in that night, uh, two students who really are kind of like the main other characters, Takayama and Amaki, um, they sneak into his house like after midnight to test his claimed burglary precautions, which are just like these signs on a door and like, like he lets passage through like a recreation area and like in and out. Kind of like a comedic moment. Um, and then following after that is his 60th birthday and a professor invites a few of his former students over to basically eat and drink and eat veil with him as a celebration of his birthday. Um, this is kind of a scene where you can really understand the relationship that and the respect that the students have for the professor and the relationship between the professor and the students, which is really important uh, in the film. And so like kind of one thing that they always say is that they think of the professor as like, a person that is made of solid gold, like his character is, is like a solid gold. He's kind of like perfect in a way. And so that night ends with like an air raid that is about to happen. And the aftermath essentially leaves the professor's home burnt down. And so a lot of like the properties is kind of like left in rubble and stuff. Um, and so they leave home and they move into like this little hut, him and his wife. And... Uh, Takayama Namaki and a couple others uh, bring him supplies to aid him and the scene after that is post-war and so um, when they're like over lunch I guess Taka Takayama and Amaki and the professor and essentially the two guys propose that they're going to build him a new house um, in like the next year after his birthday and this is where they also propose um his birthday celebration and they're titling Madakai. And so what Madakai means is kind of a combination of two words. Um, mo ikai, which is like ready or are you ready is a question. And then Madadayo, which is a response, which means not yet. And so you get Madakai, which pretty much translates to are you ready yet? Um, and so the seasons pass and the years pass. And then we go into the very first Madakai celebration or 61st, 61st birthday. Um, and he, this is here hosted with him and his physician and a former alumni who ends up becoming a Buddhist priest. And all of the guests are his former students as well. And they basically just host a big party and celebrate in honor of him. And so after the fact, as promised, uh, a new house is built for the professor and he has a nice little pond that's like a donut shaped for fish um and pretty much what happens here is like once they get into the house a cat kind of like wanders into the home and they end up adopting the cat and the cat's name is noriko which means i think alleyway cat i think that was a translation for it and there's like this huge ordeal that happens after that cat goes missing 
um like it storms out one day and then she leaves the house and then she never returns and the professor and the wife have a really strong attachment namely the professor and he kind of falls into depression after Nodoko goes missing and so with the help of uh, Takayama and Amaki um they kind of like search for the cat and they get the whole town involved and there's like this big kind of like thing with the town and former students and locals making calls and like you know um basically trying to help to find the cat but nothing really ever comes of it there's like a few setbacks and noriko ends up never coming home but like one day another stray cat comes in that they end up naming colts and pretty much he kind of gets over himself a little bit and you know kind of falls out of despair um and then pretty much after that we kind of skip 17 years later with his 17th annual Matakai and the professor is now 77 years old and in this party you see that there's not only like the male alumni students but all of their family members or their wives and their children and even their grandchildren are in attendance and they hold some traditions and such and so forth to honor the professor again um and the scene kind of ends with him falling ill in the party and a few of his like closest students you know uh walk with him home and kind of keep an eye on him and end the night drinking with each other and sort of reminiscing uh, about their time as students and with the professor and that's pretty much the the gist of the events of the story that kind of happens yeah. um pretty chill pretty not like super you know dramatic or over over the top per se uh, usually, I ask, you know, what's kind of your favorite moment or scene that you've watched in here? But I, I wanted to ask, because the film is so different from everything that we've watched, um, what element of the film was your favorite? Which could be like the story or the cinematography? or I think I really enjoyed how the film relates to his life at mm. that moment in time. And really thinking about the character of the professor in relation to Akira Kurosawa himself, because I feel like this film really was made at a point in time when he really felt like the character and a lot of that emotion, I think really came through in this movie. Mm. And so I really like that about this movie. It kind of feels like Kurosawa's statement to the world saying <laughs> that, you know, he's not ready to die yet he's not ready sure. to let go of this dream of shooting films he's mm. not ready to give that up yet and i think that's really what he wanted to kind of say through this film mm. and i think it captures it so eloquently um through the life of this professor there's a moment where the professor actually after the air raid and they're kind of stuck in that little small shack yeah, He has this moment when he's talking about how he really likes this author and that mm. he kind of feels like what his situation is right now is reminiscent of what the author might have felt back then. Sure, And I think that is also another connection that he's making to himself as well within the story itself. Right. Yeah, and it's like you know, you, you can also pull out, like, he, you know, doesn't want to give up 
his passion or his dream and you know is it you know kind of like a not even like a last cry but like this is something i keep doing but also recognizing that he is getting older you know and that this character recognizes that himself it's a constant thing of like you know he retires to become a writer but we see his life sort of like in retirement and see of like him sort of like enjoying life and enjoying the people around him and it feels more about like you know people like respecting him and you know kind of looking out for him and taking care of him and then him doing what he can as sort of like an elderly and kind of like paying respects to them and like showing how grateful he is to them um you know throughout his life even after the fact of you know being a professor because what he's known for is to be a teacher right Mm-hmm. and so it's like he has this legacy that is living on even though he's not dead yet and he's sort of like you know paying sort of like this legacy that he's made while he's still alive and so that's interesting to say that Kurosawa could be kind of projecting the same as well like he's you know he is this great filmmaker he's this very pro- prolific person and even when he's done making films you know it's doesn't want to sort of like take it for granted or anything like he does live on as sort of a legacy yeah for sure it's interesting because i feel like kurosawa as a director has such a like the way that he makes films kind of feels like um in biology there's this thing called osmosis where Mm -hmm. it's the ability for water to kind of go through barriers right right and i feel like kurosawa's films do that in an emotional way and you're able to understand really the emotions and the thought process and kind of his desires and hopes through the movies that he makes. Sure. And I feel like that's such a hard thing to do, but he does it with such ease and Mm. just like such mastery of the craft that it's something really truly to be admired. Yeah. It's like, um, like it feels like a model, like, you know, he's, it's funny and weird that it is pretty meta in the sense that like, the character is him and that they're both older and both retired but like what we're seeing is like just the embody like we're seeing a totally different character like you know he worked he, he used to be a professor and now he's a writer and it's like completely different from you know Aki- kurosawa as a filmmaker so it's not like super like one-to-one on him but he he like really found this real life person and his character in a story that he could talk about that is really close to himself you know and i think that's him to recognize like not just like put himself in the movie but to like find something that's like akin to him you know and like sort yeah. of like model it after him i think that's how he really truly is able to kind of like push his feelings onto it because he'd be like i can talk about this person's life because i understand it really well yeah and so he really you know tries to bring out the most of the character that he's writing and filming without having to like you know use himself as like the example you know right because you know some films when you see them and they try to attempt this, it feels like a narcissistic or right. a very cringe way of making a film because you see through it and it feels very shallow, right? Right. But I feel like this film, the character and the person, the story really holds up on its own. And I think that showing this man going through the ages and... and and having these people around him as proof of the work that he has put in in his life, right? right? These people are the proof of how he has lived his life 
and how well he has lived his life, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of akin to Kurosawa and his films, right? Right. The films that he has made is proof that he has lived a life, you know, well lived or whatever right. it may be. And I think in, in, in that sense, it's kind of similar to the message of Ikiru where, you know, you're living to the fullest and you know, you're yes. creating something that mm. you can leave behind for sure. the generations to come. And I think that in that sense, there is a certain connection there that really resonates with me. Mm. This is the uh, this would be Ikiru if Ikiru if he was still alive <laughs> if he didn't pass mm, yeah. away you know if you got to live to see like what he'd right. done for the children and stuff mm-hmm. this would be his life <laughs> yeah because you know that children scene too is great because he talks about the cake right when he's right, getting yeah. the, trying to give the cake to the children and he's like you know you have to you know find treasure. something that you really treasure you know you have to work really hard for it. Right, and right. that's going to be the treasure in itself, right? Mm. And he talks about that, and it, and he talks about a career, and I think that he's really at that moment kind of being blunt about <laughs> what he wants to talk about. Right. Right? That, that's like that's probably like Kurosawa directly, like his words. Yeah, like, you know, without having to be like too literal, he'd just be like, "This is and, my <laughs> yeah," and he's like, "Oh, this might be a little bit too hard for children." But. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like, this is uh, what he feels at this moment, you know, at yeah. the age of seventy-seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I too that that is probably one of the most intriguing aspects of this movie is is just this parallel between uh, him, Kurosawa, and uh, the professor, and just the story and like you know just be like this is what we mean by like it's befitting of like his final film, like, yeah. really to be this message of himself and sort of his legacy talking about somebody else's legacy if you if you think about it 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 might seem a little like self-serving <laughs> it seems as like a movie it does right? seem a little on the nose you know right but when you watch the movie you don't feel that way right like mm. when you're watching the movie you're just really ca- captured right. by the character and because he's a very witty guy he's a very funny guy and he's a very <laughs> right. interesting person mm. and you can f- feel like it feels like you understand why these students love him so much right like he really has this exuding charisma and exuding life force like energy right. that really draws people to him almost like a childlike innocence right sure that he has like like he cries because his cat you know is missing and right. for days and days and like he can't think of anything else like he has this singular purity that really draws people and makes them want to become better people sure and i think that because of that it makes the character really enthralling and mm. it doesn't seem like just some kind of ruse to send this message about how he feels about the world or something like that. <laughs> right right it's not like a yeah, like this kind of like farewell memoir or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I um, it's funny to see. Like I noticed watching it of how little, but also kind of how much we know about the characters, especially the professor, because mm-hmm. I mean, we we're we're brought into the story like right in the like latter half of his life, and so we we never know like specifically what made him like the person he is or why he's so loved as this professor you know and we see we see all these students and we see all these 
former alumni of his that, you know, all have like this same attitude towards him and really respect him and, you know, want to share drinks with him and want to express how much they are ingrateful to him and, you know, reminisce about stories with him. But we never got to experience those things as an audience. We only get put in it to after the fact. Yeah. And also, too, like everything that we see in the film is never really with him like alone. So we never really know much about his personal life or, you know, kind of like his mindset per se. I mean, we kind of do. He does. He's pretty open as a character and he kind of explains, you know, like I like the whole bit with Noriko, like, you know, he kind of explains like why he's, you know, so passionate about the cat and why he's so like, you know, he, why he was so emotional about it. But like anything outside of that, we outside of like there's what I'm saying is there's always a scene between the students and him. Like everything that we see, there's it's an interaction between him and his students in the present. And so, you know, we can see like the aftermath of it and we we understand like there is this deep gratitude. And yet it's funny that it comes through that like we kind of understand it as well. Like we kind of recognize like what kind of character he is and that he is kind of a good person and all these things. Yeah. You know, without having to be like, he's a great person because he did this achievement, this achievement, this achievement, this achievement, you know, like all in his, when he was younger and as a professor. But we recognize that through like who he is sort of like in the present, quote unquote. For me, my favorite aspect i mean i really love both the story and as well as the look of the film technically as well i would say this is probably more beautiful than than ron um (laughs) i would think there were just some shots that was like it's just a good frame like (laughs) like my favorite sequence in this movie was like the season's passing when i knew you were gonna say that (laughs) There's just something about like just the frames of them like sitting there like all old coupley and like still and quiet. It's like super peaceful. It's like we're cold and they're like sitting there. Yeah, th- just the colors were really nice. Just this framing is really nice. It just has a really nice vibe to it. It has a really nice look to it. Even with there there was that other shot when Colts comes in and then the wife is like feeding him and there's like this weird like golden hour kind of lighting but everything's sort of pink in the frame mm-hmm. it just looked really nice maybe not as epic as ron but just a little more flattering for me i love the last shot of the film where the kids are playing and there's those mm-hmm. big haystacks yeah and that one child is like moving from haystack to haystack what's interesting about that scene is like the sky like I was wondering if that's like made. I I mean I'm pretty sure it's made, but it was just really interesting how mm. they made it into the well, sky. I know that when it like pans over and it's like the clouds and it's like citrusy color and changes. Yeah, Kurosawa actually painted that himself. Exactly. That. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I really like that that touch because it's kind of like a dream sequence, right? Mm. of him maybe it was him back in the day or whatever but it's kind of him reminiscing about being like that child who Mm. wants to continue on (laughs) and yeah just a beautiful scene i have too much to live for yeah did you think that he was gonna like pass in the end like the movie would have ended with sort of his death 
Not really because of the title of the film. <laughs> but sleeping yeah, yeah. is kind of like that, right? Sleeping is kind of a metaphor for death, but yeah, I think but it, the dream sequence it, kind of yeah. shows that it's not yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely didn't really have that kind of expectation that he did pass or something, but rather he still has much longer to live. It's a more hopeful kind of ending. And I think that go that coincides with the way that Kurosawa probably felt at that time because he wanted to direct more and he wanted to, you know, make more movies. But sure. it's just his health didn't allow him to do it. So mm. the inevitability. Yeah, I mean, I really love like the tonality of just uh, being a very positive film and a very like happy kind of film in general. Yeah. It's. It's just not like a movie that you watch a lot or like that is really out there. One that like really doubles down on sort of like this positive outlook on like life and people, you know, and like from beginning to end is sort of like supposed to make you feel warm in a way. Mm -hmm. There really isn't a lot of stories that really do that through and through. Yeah. I don't know. It's not like like an attractive thing, I guess, or like or not even maybe an even an easy task to do. But it's definitely something I wish to see more. It's funny because it's like my favorite movie is uh, probably About Time. I don't know if I told you that before. You did. I think so. And so if anybody hasn't seen it, it's About Time. It came out in 2013. It's basically a rom-com with like time travel in it. Um, but it has like the same sort of like purely feel-good kind of tone to it. And for me, that's like what works really well. It's like if a movie's entertaining, then it's good. But what movies, what makes movies really special is that it can actually like pull emotions from you and make you feel things. So I think if a movie like makes you just has a good warm feeling at the end of it, what more could you ask? I don't want to feel sad at the end of a movie all the time. I feel good. <laughs> yeah, there are times for any kind of movie, right? But I think mm -hmm. movies like these are more you can watch it anytime and feel okay about it right. whereas other films that are more heavier it's like i don't know if i want to watch this more than <laughs> once kind of right thing, right you know? yeah it's like sure it's like compelling kind of in a way right right it's like, good it's a good film but, but do i want to watch it like <laughs> do i want to put my <laughs> yeah do i want to put my like emotional strain on there too much yeah but here it's like you can always just fall back on a on a good smile at the end. Mm. Yeah. I think there was, um, I pulled a quote that, like, really, that from Kurosawa had put it really well. Uh, I was reading the Robert Eggers review, and he had pulled, I think he said, this was a quote from Kurosawa when he was interviewed by Time. He said that the movie is about something very precious, which has been built, which has been built all, which has been all but forgotten. The inevitable world of warm hearts he added i hope that all people who have seen this picture will leave the theater feeling refreshed with broad smiles on their faces i think he did a good job there <laughs> for sure yeah like refreshing is like the key word for me too especially after watching like all of his you know sort of brand name films all these samurai epics and then you get well, to even thinking about like in comparison to ran where right. everyone dies and it's such a <laughs> it's well, like the not... story itself is just tragic right exactly 
super Shakespearean, just like tragedy on the nose kind of thing. It's like, no so more. even just compared to that, you're like, yeah, this feels, you know, this feels upbeat more. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even like comparing it to Ikidu, which is, you know, in the same kind of like drama category, not something that is within sort of the, you know, action or epic category, but. You know, they're just completely different stories with completely different commentaries. I mean, mm-hmm. they're both about... The, the premise is a bit of the same. They're both about, like, the life of this older person and them coming to, like, the end of their life, you know? Like, their last chapter of their life. But they have widely different things to say about it. And, like, how they go about their life is... I think different. the starting point of the two characters are different. Mm-hmm. But the ending point is almost the same. You know what I mean? Sure, like, sure. For Ikiru, he has a realization, but the realization is a little bit too late. Right, right. Whereas this guy, the professor, <laughs> he's lived a good life, you mm-hmm. know, from the beginning. And he's kind of reaping the rewards of that. There's not like... I mean, the the key differences too is on the Ikiru, there's, there's a progress, right? Like there is, like you can follow along like... Oh, he goes from obstacle and then he overcomes obstacle. And then, you know, we kind of see that with the the whole funeral scene. But here there's not really an overarching obstacle. It's just mm-hmm. like I said, he's kind of reaping the rewards of, you know, of his hard work as a professor. And so, like, you know, in in the beginning and in the end, I think he's the same person. You know, he's still like the old professor. He's still like, you know, witty, you know pretty funny as a person through and through we're just kind of like seeing how his life is enveloping through the end but there isn't like yeah. you know character development per se yeah the biggest difference between Ikiru and uh, Maradayo is I think family you know what I mean mm. in Ikiru basically he's alone and he dies alone whereas in Maradayo he has this group of people who support him and who's there for him, even yeah. after air raid and even when he's living in a little small shack. Right. He has these people who are there for him through thick and thin. So that really changes the dynamic of how their lives are like. Right. Yeah, and it's not, he doesn't even have like, I mean, he only has a wife. Like, there's never any mention of. <laughs> Does he have kids or grandkids? Like, you know, it's it's just purely, like, his wife and his students. Basically, his students and his students, like, children are his children. Right, right, right. (laughs) That's what it feels like. Yeah, especially during that scene when, like, they have the party, right? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it's weird, like, that last, the 17th Madakai, that, you know... It's cool to kind of see the juxtaposition of time of, like, only men were there for the first one. And now it's, like, you know, more Western and very kind of... There's family, the wives and the children, grandchildren are there than the 17th one. Mm-hmm. But it is funny to see, like, all the daughters come up and then all the grandchildren come up. Where it feels like this giant family gathering. And yeah. he's, like, the great-great-great-grandpa on the tree kind of thing, you know? <laughs> he is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's neat. It's different, but it's neat. Um, any particular scene that you really liked? 
I like that scene where it's a shot of Nora the cat in the rain, mm. in the debris. There's like the whole like debris and like the cat is under this little broken debris piece. Yeah. And then the cat kind of jumps out and starts like walking towards the camera in slow-mo. Like all awkwardly. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah. Like a lot of the scenes with the cat I really like. Um, like the scene when the professor is in the train and he's sleeping. And oh, yeah. the train is coming 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 through and you see the cat in the window and the, the ghost. professor is like oh, that's my cat. Why is he there? And he calls <laughs> the wife and he's like, Oh yeah, the cat's missing. Oh no. I was wondering how my cat got on the phone. <laughs> my cat is black and white like Colts so like Kurtz. Colts pulls up Kurtz pulled up and I was like wait a second wait a second why are you there why are you there it's got the same like evil like pointy eyes like mm. you got fish I guess I'll eat the fish mm. yeah gosh I don't know for me I mean I really like the season's passing scene I, I don't know if I had any of the I and I mean that and I did really like the the final scene or the final party scene as well when everybody kind of comes up. And I feel I did feel like the the first Madakai was like really prolonged though. <laughs> it's like it's just them and like partying and and then they're like trying to give the speeches of you know they're like trying to give these short speeches of how, how they're grateful for him and then it like gets out of hand because like people are mingling and like noise everywhere yet they're still trying to like do it person by person and nobody's really and listening. that one guy who's just reciting the stations <laughs> like dude what are you doing i so i read that um i was like on wikipedia and i was looking up uh Hyaken uchida the guy that it's based off and apparently it like said that he was a really big like rail fan which means like a fanboy mm. for like public transportation so i think that was like a nod to to him in that regard i see as he's like reading off every local tokyo train station yeah that's crazy dude that's <laughs> like what that's so random it's funny <laughs> because they they lower the lower his voice <laughs> in the Just mix so it's always there <laughs> yeah <laughs> He was like, I'm bad with speeches, so therefore, I'm literally going to talk for the rest of the party. <laughs> the last one there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I did really like, like, near the end, when they did that whole, like, bit, when he's, like, um, I think it was Amaki, he's, like, playing dead, and then the priest is, like, walking him through, and mm. then he comes out, and they're doing, like, the big wave. They're asking, yeah. Keep asking. Madakai. Madadayo. Yeah. And then it attracts like everybody in town. <laughs> They're so like extra. <laughs> yeah, I know. In everything that they do. <laughs> well, you almost keep... think this movie is a musical at a certain point. Right. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I forgot so much. You gotta. <laughs> you have to be prepared for mad singing. Just singing all the time. Yeah. Just old folk songs too, like not even crazy <laughs> full stuff. That's the theme of this movie, folk music. Uh, yeah, all in all, I really enjoy this film a lot. Uh, widely different, definitely a breath of fresh air. I um, think it's really fitting as his last film. 
Mm. And that spirit of, you know, not yet, I think is right. really something to be, you know, carried on right, through right. the generations by the people that watch his films, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think even in terms of, like, just the film itself and how it's made, it's, like, a testament to his works and how much variety he can actually do, you know? I mean, again, like, I, it's an unexpected film for me because, you know, I wasn't expecting this huge tonal change of everything that we've seen and something that's so, you know, supposed to make you feel warm and super lightweight and has really doubles down on a positive message um, versus, you know, if you're watching Seven Samurai or anything else or even Ikidu, just like the variety and how well executed all these films were in his career, you know, is definitely a feat on its own. Um, yeah. What do you think of the series as a whole so far? What do you? I think it's hard to have so many good films under your belt. <laughs> you know, <You're> like, right? <laughs> you you'd think that you'd have one really bad film where it's just <laughs> like this is not that great, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I think from the ones that we've watched, at least, like they're all very solid in their own right and i think that you know going through the the generations that he has uh you know lived through and watching the films from various you know years really show how much more he evolved as a director and as his craft Mm. you know has developed throughout the years and i think even by the end of it you see just um, his his technicality and his craft being shown, right? So updated and improved through and through, yeah. like as the years go by. It's funny, like I wonder what if, like, what's his obsession with the past? You know, like all of his movies take place decades to like hundreds of years before they were even made. You know, I mean, even this quote unquote modern film. I mean, shot in 1993, but takes place in the 40s. You know, I wonder what is. I wonder what that's. Why he? Why he finds sort of like inspiration, or why he desires to tell stories that take place, you know, in the past rather than sort of in the present. Well, you know, he was. He's an old guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, by that true. time, he's lived through those times too. So that's another thing. Like, it's not that he was never there. <laughs> he maybe has a certain kind of nostalgia but i think you know he has other films that are more contemporary to his time sure. but yeah like definitely maybe he has a certain affinity to towards those time periods you know mm. and those kind of stories that tell you know right but also i think it's another thing is like when you tell stories of the past it can kind of uh, be a little more broader in the scope mm. and the message can be told without it being so on point on the nose like we talked about right right so maybe that's another thing but yeah i mean they do feel timeless in a way like like you said kind of like the stories that you can tell and things you want to get across you can kind of express it a little broader than without right. having to be too narrow if you're talking about in the present because i mean too if i mean especially today if you make a film that is set you know within this year you kind of have to talk about 
the politics and things that are going on in this time period. And you're kind of, in a way, you're like restrained to not being able to tell these broader stories or, you know, or just like a commentary story that seems broader, you know? Or even like technology, right? Right, like right. Just the difference in technology really changes the outlook of a person and how mm. they approach life. Right. And so maybe doing something more related to the past mm. can highlight certain things that will <laughs> Simplify. be yeah, harder during this time. No, I agree. I agree. Um, what's your ranking look like? What do you Man, these are all such, you know. <laughs> it's like this is a hard one. This is the hardest so far. <laughs> I think in terms of <laughs> as an as an I I I'll just put epics higher. Okay. Should we split it in like in like two like technicality versus like story maybe? Okay, that's fine. That's good. All right, so in yeah, terms I'll, of technicality, I'll... how are we? How does it look? Technicality for me, I think, would be Ran, and then uh, Seven Samurai, Yojimbo, uh, and then um, and then Maridayo, and mm. then. Uh, and then uh, what's the other one? <laughs> Ikiru and Sanjiro. Ikiru and then Sanjiro Sugata. Like yeah. that. Like that. Yeah, I think uh, probably the same. I think Ren is number one. Um, yeah, I think Seven Samurai followed by Yojimbo. Um, well, maybe I'll even maybe I'll put Seven Samurai. Then Yojimbo. Honestly, though, but like I, I might rethink that and put <laughs> Ikiru above Maradayo because there's just some scenes in Ikiru that mm. play well, so well. It plays so well to the story. It's the close-ups. Maybe... It's like the use of close-ups are used, but so not even nicely. that. It's just it's just the way that they use the camera and the movement and. Mm. And staging and blocking to tell the story itself. And I think that's sure. just such a... It's just done so well in Ikiru. Mm. Whereas in Maradayo, it's not as much of that. Because it's not really so heavily story-driven, right? So it doesn't do as much of that in Maradayo. It's more of a showing everything that's happening. So yeah. it doesn't do as much of picture. that. So maybe I'll put that under Ikiru. Mm. Yeah, I, I really like the way Maradayo looks, so I'll keep it there for me. Uh, Yojimbo, then, then Ikiru, and I guess Sanjiro last. In terms of story. For me, story, I liked Ikiru the most. Mm. And then I think Ikiru, Yojimbo, Maradayo, Seven Samurai Ran. And then Sanchio Sugata. Sorry, Sanchio Sugata. <laughs> I'm <last>. like, <laughs> just throwing dirt on Sanchio Sugata. Uh, this is a tough one, I think, for me. Um, story wise, story wise, story wise. Mm, 
I mean, I really like Ren. I think Ren is number one. Um, followed by... This is tough. <laughs> yeah, they're all great. <laughs> they're all great. <laughs> it's like, how do I even, like, cut, like, scale it in a way? How do I define one? How is one better than the other? This is what you liked more. I guess, right? Yeah. What did I like more? <laughs> I mean, Ren, then either Seven Samurai or Madadayo. One of those two. Maybe Seven Samurai and then Matadao, followed by Ikuru, and then Yojimbo. You know, I'm trying to remember like Sanjuro because like it was it was like six weeks ago, so I'm like trying to like run through the story in my head again really quick. Well, if it's taking you that long to think about guess, it, then it's probably not. I guess it's not. It's not Sanjuro. Yeah, I mean, Yujimbo is more sophisticated. Yujimbo and then and then Sanjuro Sugata. But Ran gets the title. Nice. <laughs> uh, this was a great series, I think. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this. I, you know, it's always been like in the back of my head to go do and like, you know, go see Akira Kurosawa and like, what's all the commotion about kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so now that I've seen it, it's like, all right, I understand. I get it. I get it now. I get it. And then we've only broke the service. I mean, he's got a crap ton of movies, like, what, 25 or 30 or something like that? Yeah. Like, There's I haven't seen so many Rashomon. You have to watch Rashomon, man. It's like Red Beard, uh, Kage Musha. Kage Musha. Hidden Forest, is it? Hidden Fortress. Hidden Fortress. Hidden Fortress. I gotta watch Throne the blood. Se- Throne of Blood. I gotta watch the sequel to Yojimbo. Sanjuro. San- yeah, he has so many. Yeah. Well, look, look, we did a six-week series, and I'm still, still gotta, I still have to keep up. <laughs> he has so many. Uh, yeah. So there's that. There's there's a Kurosawa series. What is in our future next? What are we gonna do now? How are we going to move on from this? Well, I wanted to go to some unexplored territory, give some love to some other Asian countries we have not given love to yet. And that is Thailand. We haven't really seen what Thailand's about. And I've seen a few Thailand movies, and there's some good ones. Uh, And I have two that I wanted to pick out. And Lee also picked two, um, the ones that I haven't seen, so it worked out. But the list will go as follows. Bad Genius is first. This came out in 2017. It's on Netflix. Um, Pretty much about kind of like a thriller, heisty movie. Takes place in high school. And there's like this smart girl. And there's like not the smart kids. And basically they develop like this system. Or like, like a business to cheat on tests, essentially. So it's kind of like that vibe. The next one will be Unbak. 2003 Muay Thai Warrior. Um, Umbak is, I feel like Umbak should be a household name in the martial arts community, you know? Did you, you haven't watched it? I haven't watched it though. I mean, I know oh, of my. it, but I haven't watched it. 
It will blow your mind. <laughs> Whoa, blow my mind. The man is scary. <laughs> <laughs> so I would be next, uh, followed by Heart Attack from 2016. Um, what was Heart Attack about? <laughs> That's your pick. I know. I've only seen this once. It's been a long time, so I, I actually really do want to revisit it. I know it was like this guy who's like a graphic artist or like a Photoshop artist, and he like it's kind of like a comedy drama, and he falls in love with like this nurse because like he basically works himself to death and then has to like rehabilitate himself. <laughs> And so he like kind of falls in love to the nurse that like helps him re- rehabilitate. So it's kind of like a rom com in that sense. Um, and then lastly will be Last Life in the Universe, also in two thousand three. Lee cannot move into anything in the present because that's just how he is. <laughs> all your films are older, dude. <laughs> like hey. all throughout the podcast, like you can't I'm just leave. Say, I'm just gonna say, man. Before twenty ten, <laughs> if it's not if it's before twenty ten, he's all game. Anything you gotta after go that. before twenty ten. <laughs> it deteriorates really fast after this. <laughs> all that new stuff, nah, <laughs> not good. Garbage. Bring, 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 make films great again. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, do you even know what that one is about? Last Life in the Universe. It's about this, like, guy who's trying to kill himself and he, like, runs away to, like, Thailand or something. Some mm. Japanese guy. That's racist. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually not sure exactly about this story. But um, I looked at a few of the shots and the poster mm. and stuff and I was just thought, oh, this would be interesting. Ooh. He was asked, uh, Madakai, and he responded, Moyo. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready to go. But Ooh. an interesting thing is, uh, Christopher Doyle is the cinematographer for this, which is why I, th- I thought it would be a good watch. Interesting. Doyle? Christopher Doyle is the one that shot, like, uh, In the Mood for Love. Oh, yeah. And All stuff of like that. So one car wise, so, yeah. he has a lot of. Uh, it looks good, you know. <laughs> it's a film. <laughs> I was expected, I guess. But uh, we'll see. That should be interesting. Yeah, pretty cool. A lot of mixed things going on there. Australian cinematographer, Japanese main, followed by in Thailand with some Thailand. Mm-hmm. It's gonna have an identity crisis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that'll be that'll be the start of next week. Thank you guys for tuning in to this episode. We will see you next time. Bye.